Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This is the final episode from the Rethinking My Life series, and it is called Rethinking How I Think About Trauma. Hey, Adventure, I'm glad you're back again. And uh, yes, I'm still wearing the same clothes. And this is also happening to me in real life. But I guarantee you, these clothes smell better right now than the clothes I've been wearing for the last last month here. Um, So we've been talking about rethinking my life and that I need to rethink how I think about certain things. And today I want to talk to you about how to rethink the trauma I've been through. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a, a chaplain with the Iowa State Patrol. I'm the administrative chaplain with the Iowa State Patrol. It's a volunteer job, but I work with and train uh, the chaplains around the state of Iowa that work with the Department of Public Safety. And then I also uh, serve as a Scott County chaplain uh, for the Scott County Sheriff's Department. And then I serve as the uh, chaplain for the Quad Cities Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. And so I deal with a lot of bad experiences and I see a lot of trauma. And um, I have done somewhere around o- over 225 death notifications, which are not fun, um, but somebody has to do them. So I have done those. So I'm very familiar with trauma. And I want to talk to you today about how to think about your traumas as me being a personal witness to some of the trauma that some of you have been through. We have a long relationship and others of you that I don't know, but I know I I have been through similar things or seen with seen those things or worked with people who've had those traumas. And I want to talk to you about from God's perspective, what should we be doing with that trauma? How should we be thinking about it? So let's start. Let's define what is trauma. All right. Here's your definition of trauma. Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event. Uh, it's a, it's basically, it's a, a normal response to an abnormal event. So, this is how the uh, American Psychological Association defines trauma in a nutshell. That's kind of the working description of trauma. So trauma does not go away. Um, the memory of trauma is stuck with us. And sometimes it affects how we interact with others and how we think about the future and how we perceive all the events that are happening around us. But the way a person perceives the trauma, the way a person stories the trauma after it's over determines whether they're going to be a victim or a survivor. And I want you to be survivors of the trauma. We can't undo the trauma, but we can certainly look at how to survive it instead of how to live under the shadow of it. So how should I think about my trauma? So we need to start by the, by getting a better understanding of trauma and how trauma works. So according to psychology today, I just went with the simplest form that I hope you could find. There are basically five types of trauma. So there's acute trauma. Acute trauma reflects intense distress in the immediate aftermath of a one-time event, and the reaction is generally of short duration. Um, Common examples of that might include a car accident uh, or somebody's hurt or a physical or a, uh, a sexual assault or maybe the sudden death of a loved one. That's acute trauma. 
All right, here's the next one, chronic trauma. So chronic trauma comes from harmful events that are repeated over and over. It's like uh, Groundhog Day instead of a dream, it's a nightmare. It just starts and it just keeps replaying itself. And it, it, it might also be something that's just drawn out long over time. And it can develop in response to being persistently neglected uh, by a recurring abuse, maybe a recurring physical abuse, recurring emotional abuse, recurring sexual abuse, can be repeated domestic violence. But it's something that is just there and doesn't go away. The abuse feels like it's never going to stop. So that's chronic trauma. Complex trauma can arise from experiencing repeated or multiple traumatic events from which there's no possibility of escape. So like if you watch um, a disaster movie, if you watch a horror movie of some kind, the characters inside there are actually going through complex trauma. It just never stops. They think they're safe and something else happens. That's the idea of it. But it's the sense of being trapped. That's the main feature of this kind of trauma. And like other traumas, it can undermine your sense of safety um, in the world. It can trigger hypervigilance, uh, make you constantly monitoring everything. You can't ever relax. You can't ever let go. Um, you see complex trauma uh, a lot of times in um, uh, combat survivors would be a very, very common place. D is secondary vicom vicarious trauma. In other words, it's, it's vicarious means something you experience through someone else. Um, so second vicarious or secondary vicarious trauma, that's trauma. You basically are exposed to other people's sufferings so much and over and over and over again that you start taking on some of the qualities, some of the characteristics of those people. This tends to strike people who are first responders. Uh, the first people there, you know, your firemen, your EMT, your law enforcement, they're often the first ones on a scene that's chaotic. It's horrible things. Bad things have happened and they are there to help people deal with their trauma. And so this happens a lot. And just a footnote over time for those first responders that experience this repeated secondary trauma, um, they suffer what we call compassion fatigue. In other words, when they first do it, they're doing it to help people. And then over time, they get exposed to so much of it. Now they're doing it because it's a job and they just kick in and they're just going to do it. And you can spot that compassion fatigue because then that dark humor starts to come out uh, and some of the inappropriate jokes start to come out. Those are classic signs of that vicarious trauma. And then this last one. It was called ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, and Adverse Childhood Experiences are just this wide range of negative experiences or difficult situations that children either face directly or they watch it. A child who watches a dad beat a mom over and over and over again. A child who watches parents get high or get drunk and pass out over and over and over again. And so what happens is ACE, uh, well, it, 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 I need to clarify this too. It, it happens before the child has a chance to develop a healthy coping skill. Um, and so what happens is a child that's exposed to that over and over and over again, 
they start suffering emotional injuries that stop their emotional development. Um, and those are, those usually show up. You can spot those through their inability to be emotionally appropriate at things, or maybe they have emotionally immature behaviors. You know, it could be the loss of a parent, could be neglect, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, uh, divorces. Those are all among the most common forms of ACE. Um, and a lot of times if you can watch someone for just a little while and you see their behaviors, you can almost figure out how old they were when it happened without even knowing what it was, because you can go, they act like a nine-year-old. That's probably when it happened at about eight or nine years of age. So those are the types of trauma, the basic types of drama. Now, Trauma, excuse me. Let's go to the next thing. So what does God say about trauma? So Jesus warns us here in John, here on the earth, you circle that word. What is it? Will you will have many trials and sorrows. You basically are going to have trauma. It's part of life. The question will be, what do you do with the trauma? Now, King Solomon gives this description, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. How, how did it come about to that point to where everything we were doing just became so intense, so bad, we just can't get a break from it? Look at Romans 5. It explains where our trauma, the root of our trauma, where it comes from. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. So God made Adam and Eve to live in eternity with him on earth. It was going to be a great thing that was going to happen. But when they brought sin into the world, things began to break down. Things didn't go the way that God had originally intended. And so God eventually says, you know what? I don't want you to have to live forever in a broken world. I don't want you to have to deal with sin forever. And so death comes into the world partly to relieve us, partly to limit our sin and partly to relieve us of our sin. See, sin created so many problems. Um, because of sin, I damage you, you damage me, we all damage each other. That damage is called trauma. Some of it's worse than others. Some of it's more obvious than others. Sometimes it's my sin that causes trauma. Sometimes it's the sin of the people around me that cause trauma. Sometimes it's the sins of people we never knew, people who lived years ago, who are long gone, their sin still to this day causes trauma. So the Bible is filled with people who endured trauma. Um, King David fought both men and beasts in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He screwed up his family royally. He dealt with two civil wars. He lost children. He dealt with trauma. At a young age, a gal by, name, by the name of Naomi lost her family to a famine and then had to migrate to a foreign land where she wasn't wanted. She went as a refugee into this new nation and she was forced into begging or going into slavery. 
She found a husband like 10 years after she moved there. She found a husband and then he died 10 years later. And he left her alone and childless and deprived of a way to make a living. And even worse, the people in her situation believed that God had punished her husband by killing him and had punished her by killing her husband. And so she had a lot of bitter pain. She had a lot of anger. She had a lot of trauma. The apostle Paul was feared by everyone. Even his own people were afraid of him. He's rejected by his own. He lived under this constant barrage of death threats. They threw rocks at him one time until he was smooshed into the dirt and they were sure he was dead, but he wasn't. He was beaten to where they thought he was dead and he didn't die. He was jailed. He was flogged till the skin was hanging off of him repeatedly. And there were dozens of others of characters in the Bible who dealt with the trauma of some kind of abuse that happened in their lives. But that's the reality of it. And we need to understand the reality of it. And so what God tells us is everything on earth is broken by sin, including me. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later for all creation. So even creation is broken by our sin. You say, oh, the earth is struggling. Yeah, the earth is struggling because of my sin and because of your sin. Now watch, the, watch how he describes earth. Verse 19. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. In other words, earth had no fault, but God cursed the earth. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So nothing on this planet has escaped trauma. Nothing works correctly all the time. Relationships are broken. Judgment is broken. Economy is broken. Our planet is broken and it may just be me, but have you noticed that maybe your body doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to? That's the result of sin. That's part of the trauma that we deal with. Should we be surprised by that? Well, honestly, first Peter four says, dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. These things are going to happen. All right, let's go to the next thing. B. God grieves when he sees us traumatized and broken. I mean, the fact that everything on earth is broken literally grieves God. Genesis 6 tells us that what humankind was doing, what, hu what, what humans were doing to other humans, grieves God. God's heart was filled with pain. God's heart was filled with anguish. Because of the damage, the trauma that sin was causing on the earth and, and on the occupants of the earth. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus dealing with the trauma of a lost friend. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Isaiah 63, 9 says, in all their suffering, he also suffered. So I have on my phone, I, I like to collect little things that mean something to me and they remind me for a while. Um, but on my phone, I have a picture of my hearing impaired daughter. 
and it is a memory that is cherished to me. And we had to take her to get new hearing aids, and there are a few things she hated more than getting new hearing aids. Um, all the new sounds, they just kept improving, and they were giving her uh, uh, stimulation overload was what was happening. And uh, I snapped a photo of her while they were programming, and she's sitting there, and she's so sad. And I remember sitting there watching that happen, and I remember saying to God, God, and you, any parent has ever done this. You guys know this. I remember saying to him, God, you can have my hearing if you'll just give her hers. You can take, you can take me early if she can hear for the rest of her life. I will be okay with that. And when I see that picture, even today, it makes me weep. It makes me stop and it makes me pray for her. And listen, God remembers your hurt. God grieves at your hurt and at your broken heart. King David described it like this in Psalm 55. He said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Listen, God grieves you. And don't you ever believe for a second that he doesn't. God grieves your pain. Let's keep going. God's going to judge all the sin and damage that it has caused on earth. The trauma that's come against you is going to get judged. It is. Trauma entered the world through sin, and it continues because of sin. Hebrews chapter 4. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Romans fourteen twelve. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God because... It's all broken by sin, and our sin breaks us. Number three, how do I bounce back from trauma? This is the thing I really want to get into. It is possible to bounce back from trauma. You don't have to live all your life in the bottom of your closet. You don't have to live all the life in the bottom of that dark pit. It is possible to recover from trauma. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together. And again, remember, there's always two caveats on this. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So you've got to love God and you've got to live according to his purpose, not according to your purpose. When you surrender your plans to God and take on his plans, whatever they are, God he bounces you back from the trauma. Now, how does that happen? I must accept help and support from others. It is impossible to bounce back from trauma by yourself. We need others and others need us. They have an obligation to help us. We have an obligation to seek them out for help. Then later, we have an obligation to help those who seek us out. And it's it's impossible to cover recover in a healthy way from trauma by yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He comforts us in our troubles, all right? That comfort in our troubles, 99% of the time is going to come from other human beings who have suffered. He's going to comfort us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they're troubled, we'll all be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. We need their help. They need our help. Galatians 6. 
share each other's burdens. And when you do this in this way, you obey the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right. The next thing B, I must focus on what is true, not on what I feel. Truth is liberating. It's really important that when you've been traumatized, when you've suffered trauma, you have to seek the truth. Um, regardless of the emotion that's coming up underneath. Remember, the emotion is natural. What you do with it is what we call the feeling. So how you choose to process it, that transient moment in your heart between emotion to choosing how I'm going to feel about something. Here's why we got to seek out truth. When we're traumatized, there's two things can happen to our emotions. Our emotions get disconnected. So what happens sometimes when our emotions get disconnected is we simply, we, we stop feeling anything. We're numb. We're kind of dead inside. We just shut down. We just plan. If I don't, if I don't feel the emotions, if I don't respond to the emotions, I don't have the emotions. And so what we do is we insulate and we isolate. So we, we get disconnected from our emotions or the other thing is our our emotions get distorted. Our reactions become distorted. We start believing the lies that Satan, that the world, that our feelings start to throw at us. Truth helps us with those things. You know, lest you think the Apostle Paul or, and all mature people handle this really well, Let me show you this verse. This is Paul making a confession. And what Paul is doing in this confession is, Paul is telling us about the desperation that he felt. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Oh, a little footnote there. They tried to kill him lots of times, right? We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. In other words, they just finally, we were ready to quit. We couldn't go on physically. We were just shot. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, he says, we expected to die. That's the guy who tells us to have hope in Christ, right? And he says, hope of dying was what I had. (laughs) Because then the suffering would be over. But see, Paul made a significant choice of his free will, and he chose to trust. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 in your notes. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. So you got to shift your focus, right? All right. Here's the next thing. To bounce back, God calls me to leave behind my victimhood and to use my trauma for good. I'll tell you what, you want to know how you can spot a victim? Everything they says starts with, I just feel like, I just feel like, don't be a victim, be a survivor. Victimhood is a choice. We've got to choose to leave it behind. Listen, your trauma is not your identity. Your trauma is not your future. 
God may use your trauma in the future, but you are not your trauma. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a favorite verse around here. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for trauma and pain and suffering. Is that what it says? No. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. All right. Next thing. There we go. D. Forgiveness restores my wholeness. So trauma is a bad experience just by definition. Trauma breaks us. But when we get to forgiveness, forgiveness rebuilds us. It restores what was broken. It takes us from being divided to being whole. It restores our wholeness. And I understand this feeling I'm about to describe because I have felt it. I've had people tell me, if I forgive what so-and-so did to me, then they get away with it. If I forgive what they do, that's rewarding their evil behavior. I've got to keep this alive. This is the only way that I can punish them. Got it. I'm with you. I understand that feeling 110%. And I'm not going to lie, there's days I revert back to it real quickly. But when I do that, all that does is let them live rent-free in my head. That just lets them be a part of every conversation I have. That lets them be so important in the universe that I can't do anything but talk and think about them. That's just me surrendering what's left of me that they didn't damage to them to continue to damage. And I allow them to continue to have power over me. Listen, they shouldn't have power over us. And we we certainly shouldn't offer that power to them. Listen, God has promised that he will judge all the wrongdoing. God's interested in justice. He's very, very interested in justice. He has promised us justice. He is going to deliver justice for our sake. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to be restored and not destroyed. But if I go on hating people for what they've done to me, hatred, by definition, destroys. It wrecks. Hatred is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die. That's not what happens. So Paul starts making this explanation to the church at Rome about how to handle this. Watch this from Romans chapter 12. Never pay back evil with more evil. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that if somebody has hurt you and they should be prosecuted and go to jail, that they shouldn't, that you should just, you should shake it off and go on. I'm not suggesting that at all. Part of the truth will set you free is making sure the truth about those people is known. However, once, once my recourse through the system has been vacated, once it has been completed, I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive. I can't keep paying back evil for evil. Watch this again. Never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Not that you become like them, but that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, he says, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame onto their heads. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Probably the greatest example of all time in everything was Jesus, but he's especially great in this one. After he'd been rejected by the very people he came to save, after he was beaten until Every piece of his body was just a giant hematoma under the skin. Up uh, uh, When he was finally flogged and all those bruises and hematomas oozed out of him, when the flesh came off of him like ribbons, when you could see his bones through his skin, when his beard had been pulled out of his face, when his whole body had been covered with spit from the crowd, when he's in such a form that the Old Testament says he wasn't even recognizable as a human form. When he was nailed to the cross in anguish to hang until his death in the middle of this, there are two amazing scenes that to this day just stop my breath. Two scenes, Matthew chapter 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock at about three o'clock. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Haley, Haley, Lama, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In a moment of trauma, Jesus understood what it is to feel like everything was stacked against him. And it was. My sin was stacked against him. Your sin was stacked against him. All of it. He felt completely alone and helpless. But do you remember what his prayer was for those people who were all around them? Do you remember what his prayer was? This is that second scene that takes my breath away. Luke 23, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, there are a lot of people that have abused a lot of us that grew up with abuse and had no comprehension for real just how bad what they were doing was. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't get it. Even when wronged, the choice is still ours to forgive. All right. Last thing, conclusion here. My hope and trust must be in God. Now, I want you to, I want you to hear this verse again. All right. Again, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what? Good, not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. So God has plans. God's plans have a hope for you. They have a future for you. God is a God of recovery. He wants you to recover. And in the future, he wants you to be restored. And when you're restored, he wants you to be a comfort to those who have suffered the traumas you have suffered and others. More than three dozen times in scripture, God says, I will restore you. I will 
restore you. There are dozens of characters in the Bible who suffered trauma. And when they came back and they trusted God for it and they did the counterintuitive thing with trauma and they trusted God for it, their lives were restored. You know, if you're struggling with any kind of trauma in your life, especially the kind perpetrated by some evil person against you, I want to recommend this verse to you. Job chapter 11, this is the last one in your notes there, because I got a line I want you to underline. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins. Remember, we want to do that introspection to get ourselves right with God all the time. And leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You won't be depressed. You will be strong and free of fear. No more anxiety attacks. You'll forget your, you, you will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. It's going to just rush away from you. Your life will be brighter than noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning because you're going to have faith in the dark times. Having hope will give you courage. You'll be protected and will rest in safety. Underline this last line. I love this. You will lie down unafraid. You'll be able to go to bed at night. No anxiety attack. No heart palpitations. Nothing. And many will look to you for help. Why? Because God has comforted you and you've learned. And now God calls you to comfort others and their trauma. Don't waste your trauma. Don't waste your trauma. God has a plan. God has a hope and a future. And he may want to use your trauma to be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for an opportunity to stop and reevaluate how we think. And Lord, on this subject of trauma, there's so much trauma out there. It's just impossible to become part of the human race and not have some kind of trauma. And yeah, there's degrees of trauma. Yet, Father, we know that you have comforted us in our trauma using other people at times. Now, Father, we ask you to use us to comfort others. Father, may we do for them what you and your people have done for us. May we throw away the victimhood May we throw away the self selfishness and the self-centeredness. And may we expand our view, our view not just of trauma, but of what good can come from it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.